Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. We were here last week talking about keeping in step with God's Spirit, and so we've been on this journey about our identity in Christ, which I'm going to conclude today. Um, but, but most before I get into that, uh, anyone at the Scorchers game last night? Not many Scorchers fans, a couple of, yeah, how good were the Scorchers? I remember, I, I actually did a cricket scholarship uh, in my younger years and, and went to boarding school and did a, a, a cricket scholarship. And uh, I remember playing a very important cricket game and I was uh, going out to the crease, so someone got out, I'd gone out to bat. And you know, in a, in a cricket game, you have all the, all the gear you need, you have a bat to hit the ball, you have pads, you have a helmet... You have a thigh pad, you have all the gear. And I remember getting out there and this bowler, uh, the, the, the guy at the crease comes over and says, look, this bowler is really quick. He's a very fast bowler. I said, that's all right. I've got all my gear on. And I go there and you get your face up and you're about, about to see him running in. And just before he starts running in, I just had this really horrible, vulnerable moment realizing I had forgot one piece of equipment for, for protection. And I was going to bring it out and show you what that piece is. But I thought, we don't need the visual. But you know where I'm going with this. It was a very important piece. You can tell the fact that I have three kids, that I survived. I got through that cricket game and I'm okay. But there's nothing worse in life than feeling unprepared. Isn't that true? And this series about identity in Christ is to prepare you and prepare me for the year ahead to live out of who God has made us to be and to have that preparation and not feel that vulnerability. I mean, I think in my life, you know, I need help getting organised. I, I struggle sometimes in organisation because I'm a bit spontaneous and so you're not prepared for things. Even our wedding night, I remember after the wedding, the ceremony, and then we went to the reception and you know at the end of a reception, everyone gets in a circle and you go around and you say goodbye and thanks for coming and, and we're about to head off and so we did the, all the goodbyes and then we just walked out and we, as we're going to the door, I realised... I hadn't planned for anything after this. We had no car, no transport, and no idea. And we were really keen to go somewhere. And I remember going back into the wedding and going to one of my friends, do you have a car here by any chance? (laughs) True story. Can you drive us to our hotel? And she drove us to our hotel. Very awkward. So we had no clothes for the next day. So we get up and we're having breakfast in a wedding dress. Well, I wasn't. Nothing worse than not being prepared. And I want to tell you that God has prepared us with everything we need for life and godliness, the Bible says, for victory, not defeat, for, for, for overcoming, not being overcome. He really has prepared us so well. And it all comes from our identity in Christ, how we identify who we are. That's what this series has all been about. In the book of Genesis, we see that God created the heavens and the earth and he created everything. And who knows what day he created man on. That's right. Someone said day six in their head. I heard it. Anyway, day six, he created man. And then, so what was man's first experience? Man and woman, their first experience for day seven when they would enter into their first day of life. It was a day of 
rest. God rested from all his work. And so God did all the work for man so that man could experience rest. As in creation, so in salvation. God has done everything you could ever do. God has gone to the cross as we've celebrated, risen from the dead, gone to heaven, just given his spirit, given us access to everything of him on the inside of us. He has, in, he has done it. So just rest and live from a posture of resting in all he has done for you. And that's the good news of the gospel. And that's the good news of this series. And I want to close it off this morning by just helping you every day, give you something that you can take away every day and put this to practice to remember who you are, okay? Now, every day you do something in life called getting dressed. Well, I hope most of you do anyway. And so this is to this morning is about getting dressed for success. Uh, it's having a passion for God's fashion. And it's in Ephesians 6 and it's called the armor of? That's it. Come on, come with me now. If you've heard this before, don't go, oh, I know what the armor of God is. Lean in and see if God wants to say something new to you. So it says this, Ephesians 6 verse 10. If you've got your Bibles, your tablets, it says in Ephesians 6 verse 10, finally, because the series is coming to an end, finally, now the book is coming to an end. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Ephesus. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What that means is your fight is not against people. And that's really liberating news. When you realize that you don't have to fight against people, that's not, it's not people we're fighting against, it changes everything uh, in, in life and relationships. But against the rulers, against the authority, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Who knows that we are in a battle? And this series is about understanding there is a battle because there is an identity thief who comes to steal, kill and destroy and doesn't want you to believe and act upon who you really are and would love to, you to fill you with his lies. We are in a battle, but the war is won in Christ, but we still have to fight. And Paul says the way you fight is to stand. Stand in my identity. Stand in my strength. And who knows, a spiritual battle, he's going on with here, a spiritual battle requires not physical weapons. A spiritual battle requires spiritual weapons. For the weapons of our warfare, the Bible says, are not carnal, but are spiritual. And they're mighty in God to pull down strongholds, to change mindsets, to pull down wrong thinking, to, to give you the right mindsets. We have spiritual weapons. And I want to tell you, God doesn't want you left at the cricket crease of life feeling vulnerable. He wants you to know what you have and he wants you to put it on. So here we go. Verse 13, it says this. So take up the whole armor of God. He says the full armor or the whole armor, which says to me that if you're lacking in one area, you're vulnerable in one area, that, that you need the whole armor. It all works together. Um, the whole armor that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Who knows the days are evil? Having done all to stand, stand three times He's talking about withstanding, standing. Standing is so important. How we stand is so important. It's not a physical stance. It's a spiritual posture. 
And uh, he goes on to say, this is how you do it. Therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. All right, we're going to get dressed this morning and leave the service. How's that sound? This is some good, this is some powerful things God has given us. And when we stand in who we really are, the truth of who we are, and live out of that, it changes everything. The first thing he said, you've got to have the belt of truth. And it's important that the belt of truth we wear um, uh, first is very important to wear first. And I was just thinking of something, I'll get back to that. Anyway, uh, it's very important that it's first because without truth, we are lost. And the belt that you imagine Paul thinking at the time, thinking of the Roman soldiers or an Israeli soldier or, or, um, and seeing them in their battle gear, relating it, hey, this is what they wear for battle, but you as a soldier in the army of God, I want you to wear this. And the first thing is to put on the belt of truth. And it's not like a skinny belt, it would be a thick belt that they would wear and would uh, cover them and protect them. And it says that, uh, the belt of truth, why is it important, is uh, what I love about this is that what hangs on the belt? You can answer back if you want. Yeah, the sword or weapons and things like that. So the sword, the word of God, so the truth must be first. It is the center because it's what center, we center our life on, God's truth. Without truth, we are lost. Now, Jesus said it this way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when you become to know Jesus, when you become a Christian to follow him, you are filled with and you have a knowledge of the truth. Truth is a person and his name is Jesus. Only when we have this foundation can we be set up for victory in our life. Now, the word to do here, where it's to take action, is the word fasten. Fasten on or buckle or gird. Um, an action that we need to do with the truth, that we need to take the truth and believe the truth. And nothing but the truth, all the truth, amen? But we take the truth, we believe the truth, we act upon the truth, we speak the truth. When we have the truth, we can walk in the protection from what is the opposite of truth is? Lies. Come on, so the enemy works with lies. And if we don't have the belt of truth, we are susceptible to his schemes, his Wiles is one translation, which is his strategy to take you out. Come on, here there is a strategy to take you out. And, you know, he's watching you 24-7 and we should, I think we make two mistakes with spiritual warfare. We either go to one extreme that everything is spiritual warfare and it's like, you know, every, every, under every rock is a demon, as they say, and, and we talk about the devil too much, but there's another extreme where we never talk about it, we never know our enemy, uh, whereas a good uh, sporting team will always study their enemy for a bit to know some of his strategies, amen? Well, I want to tell you the thing you need to know about your enemy is he is a liar, he is the father of all lies, the Bible says. His native tongue is lying. So he wants you to believe him. And what he uses with, with lies is a deception. So if he can deceive you, the problem with being deceived is you don't know you're deceived because you're deceived. 
And it's only the truth when it comes to you that brings the lights on that lifts you out of the deception of the lies of the enemy. So the truth of God's word, the truth of who you are in Christ will lift you out of the lies and the darkness of who the world says you are, who he says you are, who you're, what your past says you are, but you're gird up, you put on the belt of truth to protect you from his lies. Does that make sense? So they say that when you're trying to... Uh, uh, spot counterfeit currency or counterfeit money. You don't study the, gen- the sorry. You don't study the fakes, the counterfeits. You just study the genuine. Yeah. So if you know the truth of what the money looks like, you can spot the counterfeit straight away. That's why the truth of God's word we have it in us, but we're also to walk in His truth. Yeah. We're to walk in His truth, and as you do, you'll suddenly realize, hey, that's not a part of God's plan for my life. That's from the enemy. That's a lie. And then and the belt of truth buckled on will set you free from the enemy's life. So we put on the belt of truth in the morning. The question is, do you take it off at night? I know it's a really interesting question, that one. People said, I got a whole armor of God on in the morning. I left it on from yesterday. So this isn't like something you have to actually do, but it is a mindset and it is understanding our spiritual reality in Christ and being renewed in our mind according to that. Oh, I get up in the morning, I put on the belt of truth. Thank you, Father. And then you put on the breastplate of righteousness is the second piece. And the Roman soldier, he would wear this bronze breastplate and it would uh, a defensive weapon really covering his vital organs. The actual word means heart protector. So the vital organs where you could go down in a hurry, if you don't have your heart, you're gone. What does the Bible say? Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Out of it flow. So guarding our heart is the righteousness of God. Having, notice it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness, simply put, is being right with God. You know when you're not right with someone, don't you? And all the married people said... And there's that horrible feeling of ought, like that's the only way, between you and the person. There's just something there. And often it starts really small, like a wedge, and it's really tiny. But who knows, over time, a wedge gets bigger and bigger, and you get further and further apart, and suddenly you're sleeping really close together, but miles apart in your heart, and it breaks God's heart because you're letting something get between you. And, and that's what we are like with God. We are born separate from God, from, from the sin in our life, from being a sinner. And when Jesus came, he gave us. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin on the cross so that you might become the righteousness of God. I want to give you some good news this morning. This is a whole nother sermon in identity on Christ, understanding you are right with God right now. You are right with God right now. Now, oh no, Brad, you, haven't, you don't know how I feel. That's okay. Your feelings are protected by the righteousness of God. I feel like a sinner, but you're not. You're right with God right now. But, I, but I've been stuffing up over and over again, and I've been, and I've been doing all these wrong things, but, and, I, and I just keep saying, God, help me, please forgive me, and he has. And you are right with him right now because nothing that you do can make you more right with God when Jesus has done it all. It's a bit like this. Can somebody who doesn't know Jesus do enough righteous things to be righteous? No. They can't do enough. It's like their righteousness doesn't make them right. Same with us. You can't do enough sin to make you unrighteous. 
gee, Brad, this sounds like pretty, you know, pretty loose living, greasy grace type of preaching. And that's what Paul got accused of. So I'll, stay, I'll be with, you know, like, shall we go on and in sin, the Bible says? He says, surely not. You're a new person. You're a new creation. And the only thing that, is, that will hold you back is the, re, the programming of the old Brad. And that's why as I get the truth, as I understand who I am and reprogram my mind, will and emotions, I renew my mind according to God's word, I, become, I, I, I see and manifest who I already am in Christ. Amen. That was a big mouthful there, but I enjoyed that. Have you ever heard of the saying, uh, wardrobe malfunctions? <laughs> well, it's true in the spirit too. And a wardrobe malfunction is when some article of clothing leaves you exposed. And so God doesn't want us to have wardrobe malfunctions in the spirit. He wants us to, and, and they could be things like uh, carelessness. 1 Peter 5.8 talks about the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour, not taking it seriously. Uh, carelessness can wardrobe, unbelief, having an evil heart of unbelief. Hebrews 3.12 talks about uh, just, just abusing the grace, just going on and, and, and just rebelling and just being in disobedience uh, and, and just not, not even wanting to say, sorry, God, can hinder your ability to stand firm and defeat the enemy. Because what happens is, your confidence is not. You have your standing with God, but your belief about that has been shaken a bit because you've lost confidence from looking at the circumstances or disobeying God. So we need to keep that breastplate in place. And then it says, for shoes, we need to put on the Nike Air Jordans of Jesus. Amen? We need to put on the readiness of the gospel of peace. God has given us the best shoes that we could ever wear. I follow. Uh, I was talking to the, might have been the interns this week about that preacher, a sneaker guy, the Instagram account. Anyway, taking photos of preachers' sneakers, and then he puts how much each ones are worth. It's like, man, if I, if I ever get on there, it'd be like, hey, you got them at Kmart. It's like, <laughs> life goals. Get on there. Not really. Um, a Roman soldier needed to have really good shoes and they would have what is called cleats or spikes on the bottom for two things actually I should say not just for stability but also for speed to gain traction so that the gospel in the spirit now so the gospel will not only balance you and ground you but you can move it on quick you can be be like having the beautiful feet of the one who brings good news, that you can get to the next place quickly so they could move fast and they were stable. So when they were in a battle, the most important thing was not to lose their footing. So when we are spiritually speaking, God wants you to be balanced with the gospel of peace, knowing because who knows that it won't be long before a storm comes to rock you and it wants to blow you over. But when you put your feet on the gospel of peace, understanding that the gospel is done, that I'm forgiven, I'm a child of God, and the enemy comes at you and you just push it down further. The gospel, the good news of peace. So readiness is being um, on your feet, ready at all times. Uh, who knows that we need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us to those who ask. Notice they ask. <laughs> and we live it first. Hopefully they see it and they want to know about it. But hey, never, never miss an opportunity to talk about it, yeah? to share the gospel of peace. And so they would be stable. Uh, I love this quote. It says, you can't have the peace of, peace of God until you have peace with God. 
There's lots of people that they've got a sense of peace, you know. As they finish that, blow out that, whatever, drink that, and sense of peace. But you can't have real true peace of God until you know you have peace with God. And the gospel does that for you, knowing that you have now peace with God. Remember the Matrix movie and you see, you see Keanu there and he's like just being able to bend over and all sorts of weird and, and all the, all the um, arrows are going past him. I often liken it to that, having the shoes of the gospel of peace on. I'm just ready for battle. Here I am. Uh, readiness means constant vigilance. Always been ready. Are you digging your feet in and gaining speed for the gospel? I pray this year it will be like that for us. Then he says, take, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. My favorite. This, if I had a favorite bit of uh, uh, armor of God, this would definitely be my favorite. The Roman shield was huge. It wasn't like a little mini shield. Um, it was a large as a door would cover the warrior entirely. So you just imagine that. And they could also not just use it for defense, but use it to push back and push back opponents. Uh, when fighting as a group, of soldiers, they could position their shields as to form an enclosure around themselves, and this was especially helpful when they were being attacked and the enemy was uh, all these firing arrows were coming at them to try and destroy them, and they could get all their faith, join your faith with my faith, get all their shields together, and together they were strong, and the fiery darts from the enemy would just uh, be extinguished by the flaming arrows. You can just see the picture, can't you? But then think about it with your faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. To each person has been given a measure of faith. You already have the faith. You don't need to work up faith, muster faith. I don't feel like it. I've got to, you know, I've got to mechanically wind it up. No, you, you have it. It's in there. You have the spirit of faith. And so you need to release what we have. And when we release our faith, what we already have, it is a defensive weapon against the fiery darts of the enemy. Um, coming against our life with which you can extinguish them all um, these shields often made of wood and then covered in hide when wet you can imagine it wet could um, extinguish that fiery dart as it pshh. and when I think of that I think about faith and I think about the water of God's word you know that your faith is released and you sense that it's growing stronger and stronger the more you Get the word of God in your spirit and in your heart. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when your faith is saturated in God's word, then those, that, when that evil thought comes to you, when that, that plan, when that thinking, when that, 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 that thing of the past, your faith is wet and saturated in God's word, it just, it just extinguishes it. And almost you don't even really need it to affect you because it's not even going to get close. You've got a faith as a shield. You are protected. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. But the Bible does say we need to take it up. So in all these things, there's like an action word, take it up, put on. And, and, and what I'm saying by that is it's not, a, it's not to, something you have to do legalistically to get it. It's understanding who you are, receiving it, believing it. The way I take things up in my life spiritually is... Um, Three ways I do it. I do it by believing in my heart, by speaking with my mouth, and by releasing with my life, doing something about it, taking action. But I've got to believe it in my heart. Just like you get saved, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth, when you speak out loud what you believe in your heart, boom, faith comes, power's there. 
because you're speaking faith. It's not that your words, you know, it's not that you create it. The Ferrari, I speak a Ferrari right now. It's not this, this uh, you know, uh, just name it and claim it. But in a, in a sense, it is because you already have it. So speak it out and have boldness to speak because the power of life is in the tongue, but also is the power of death in the same place. So when you speak life, you're releasing faith and it comes, quickens in your spirit and your heart comes alive. The shield of faith. And then the helmet of salvation. Look, we're nearly fully dressed. Here we go, ready to go. The helmet was vital for survival because it was protecting the brain, the command station for the rest of your body. If the head was damaged, the rest of the armor would be of little use, really. And I've had that experience in a game, another game of cricket story, I remember. And I thought, I don't need to wear a helmet anymore because I'm good enough to not wear one. I'm not going to get hit. And it was actually in a, like a state trial game. So there's some good bowlers and I'll never forget. I wore a helmet every day after that, every time after that game because I got a bounce up right in the temple, went over, everyone rushing in. And I made it. I made it through, obviously, because I'm here. But uh, yeah, if once you knock out in the head a fatal blow to the head, here's what I want to say to you. A fatal blow to your mindset can really get you off course. Something that you believe that has become a belief system in your mindset about who you really are will can keep you back from everything God wants to do in your life because of stinking thinking. Because we're not lining our thoughts up with God's thoughts. And yes, they may be higher than ours, but we have His Spirit in us to guide us into all truth. So we put on this helmet, this brain protector, and realizing we have the mind of Christ. How do we keep it on? By renewing our mind. I I like to pray the prayer, thank you, Father, today, that I put on the helmet of salvation, that I have the mind of Christ, Lord, that I take every thought captive and make it obedient to you. So help me today, Lord, to know what thoughts let go through to the keeper. The cricket analogies keep on coming. What thoughts are going to go through to the keeper? What thoughts I'm going to hold on to? Help me, Lord, to take every thought as a prisoner, and it will obey me because I've got the Spirit of God in me. I don't have to succumb to every thought. You can control your thinking. You have the mind of Christ. It's that, that's really liberating when you realize that. You can. It got me out of my burnout time when I had a really bad burnout. And I read, read uh, Joyce Meyer's book called Power Thoughts. And I realized that I, my thinking has brought me to a burnout and my thinking's going to get me out of it. So I'm going to have some power thoughts that line up with salvation. The word sozo, not just saved from sin, but delivered, but set free, healed, whole is the word. I have salvation, the helmet of wholeness. I I, I am in my right mind, amen? I'm not going crazy. I'm giving my right mind for Jesus because of the helmet of salvation. And we put it on. And lastly, or not lastly, but come with me as Luke comes back up and the the team, if they like, uh, too. That'll be great. Uh, The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is your offensive, offensive weapon. If you want to be offensive in this life, just make sure you do it with the sword of the Spirit to the things of the enemy. That's about the only offense we should really be dealing with, amen, in the church? (laughs) I think that's good news anyway. So the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, offensive weapon to attack. And and we could attack. And so the sword is the Word of God. And that word there is the rhema Word of God. So two words in the Bible that are word is the logos and the rhema. The logos 
is the Word. Jesus is the Word, the, the, the Word of God. But Rhema, Rhema is the now Word, the spoken Word of God. Rhema is the Word that comes to you and quickens you. And that's what really kills the enemy. When you've got a Word from God and you speak it out loud, he just he's terrified because like when Jesus was in the wilderness and the enemy came against him to stop his destiny, to stop him completely and he's in there 40 days and the enemy wants to destroy him. And every time he come against him, every time he come, he said, come on, turn these stones to bread. You must be getting hungry right now. Smell the bakery. Come on. And he's like, no, man does not live. It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word, every rhema, every word that's proceeding out of the mouth of God. This is why sometimes in church, in our Christian life, preaching to myself here, sometimes we get stale and we get dry and we get a bit old school and we get a bit heard this before, her been there before, done that. And we just get a bit into the motions and we're just doing church, doing life. And what we need is the rhema word of God. We need a word now word for your life that poof, on the inside of you says, oh, that's what God's saying to me. And I want to tell you how to get the rhema word is to be full of the logos word. Rhema is like getting a bucket in the ocean of logos and taking a bucket of the water and pouring it on yourself. God gives it to you and the more that you're reading His Word, the more you're soaking in His Word, meditating on His Word, that's why there's never wasted time in the Bible. Even if it's boring and you think, oh, I'm not getting anything out of it, it's not wasted. I've known that as a preacher. God will pull, pull, draw out what I deposit in. And so I just got to keep filling up with God's Word. We all do and meditating on it. It's not always sitting in front of it. It could be just driving along and just, just singing Scripture. Because the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. My question for you, have you got anything to give the Spirit on the inside of you? Because you've got the Holy Spirit and He's saying, oh, I wish you'd pass me the sword. I wish you'd give me the sword, Brad. You know, you went through that situation. You went through that adversity. And you just needed the sword, a promise, a word, and you could have cut the enemy back. You gave into that temptation. You stuffed up. You just needed the word of God to combat that. And we need it to be in our hearts, coming out of our mouth and directing our lives. So good, eh? The rhema word of God. I'm not going to, the last item is to pray in the Spirit on all occasions and that's another sermon but it is a weapon see the sword can get you this far when the enemy comes prayer prayer no boundaries you can you can you can attack you can take ground you you can we've got no boundaries with prayer especially praying in the Spirit praying some people say oh is that praying in tongues and I'd love to do a sermon on that sometime is that speaking in tongues or is it what is that and I'd love to clarify and talk about some of that. I love to pray in tongues. I love praying in the Spirit. And I also love it when the Spirit is empowering my prayers and leading me what to say in English. And that's why when our prayer team come down and our prayer team that are here to pray for you, they want to be led of the Spirit. They might just take a moment and just say, Holy Spirit, lead me to pray for this person. That's praying in the, in the Spirit. But hey, would you stand with me? I'm just going to uh, help us get dressed as we go out. I'm just going to speak some words over us. Close your eyes if you're comfortable. I want to encourage you that there is an it is written for every area of your life. When the enemy comes to you and says you are not loved, this, today we take up the sword of the Spirit that you know that he counts the hairs on your head for fun. He loves you that much. 
when the enemy comes and says, you can't do this, we know that he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Somebody here this morning that's got a, this afternoon, maybe there's something that you thought, I just, I don't know how I'm going to get to do that. I cannot do that conversation. I don't know what it is, but I want you to know you can do all things, not on your own, but through Christ who gives you strength. When the enemy says you won't have enough, we know that the word says, my God shall supply all our needs according to his riches. The enemy comes and says, you're ugly and you have no value. God wants you to know you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Will you believe that? Will you speak that? And the enemy says you're depressed and anxious. That's who you are. You say, no, I'm not. I have a new identity. I have the joy of the Lord. I have peace in my heart that passes human understanding. And even if I don't feel it yet, I know it's true. You don't have to feel God's Word to see it move in your life. It is true whether you feel it or not. The enemy says you're a failure. But I thank you, God, that my identity says I'm your masterpiece created in Christ Jesus with good works prepared to advance to do. The enemy says you're lonely, you're on your own, and you can go, yeah, no, that's a lie. God said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Someone might have walked out, someone might have rejected me, someone might have left me. It might have just been unfortunate circumstances, someone passed away, but I'm not alone. I'm not alone. He never will leave me nor forsake me. And lastly, the enemy will say, you are what you have done. You are what you did. And I'm here to tell you this morning as we close off this series, you are not what you've done. You are what Christ has done. You are a new creation. You are brand new. Your spirit is perfectly, perfectly, perfect, blameless, holy, and stands perfect before God. And that's who you really are. So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Father, I just speak that over us this morning. In the name of Jesus, I declare the new creation of God. Father, I thank you that this morning we don't align or identify with what we've done. We don't identify with what's happened to us. We don't identify with sin or what the world says, but we identify as children of the Most High God. I am who you say I am. I just pray that over every person in this place. Father, that this last few weeks, there's been a deposit of your spiritual truth. Would you give us, Holy Spirit, the power to walk this out, to live it out? Father, I pray for every person here today, the mind shift that needs to take place, the mindset that needs to shift. Help us to repent and renew our minds to what your word says. Right now, just in this attitude of prayer and worship, if you're comfortable to have your eyes closed, I just, I just invite you to, to do that in your own heart. Just repent. Just shift that thinking to what God's Word says. For some of you, there's a shift going, I want to get into God's Word more. I, I, I want to get into God's Word more. Actually, while every, every, every eye is closed and every head is bowed, I just, I just want to, I feel a sensing to pray for that. I've, there's a powerful prayer to pray for hunger for God's Word. And I know at times I've just had to pray that, Lord, I'm not hungry for Your Word. I don't have a healthy appetite for Your Word and, and I need help. And so if that's you this morning, I'm just feel to pray that for people. You don't have to put up your hand or anything like that, but that's you. Would you receive this prayer and, and pray it in your heart? Father, right now, I just pray for a fresh appetite 
spiritual appetite for the Word of God. Father, I've been hungry and thirsty for other things, but this morning, Lord, I want to be empty and filled for You. So would You give me a hunger for Your Word? Would You give me a hunger to eat and feed on the Word of God that I would be living not by my own opinion, my own thinking, but by the Word of God? Lord, do that, Holy Spirit, a fresh hunger. I declare it over Your life that You will get up tomorrow morning and sense, hey, I need the Word of God like food today. A spiritual hunger is stirring on the inside of you. It's birthing something on the inside of you to say, I need my breakfast in the Bible. Lord, I thank you that you are doing that in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pass back to our awesome worship team, to Jess. But if you need prayer, our prayer team will come to the sides. And I'll be around. Maybe there's something you feel to respond to. Then this is a house of prayer. Thanks, Jess.